Okay, so welcome everyone and welcome everyone who's catching up on the replay or the recording. Um, we're here to talk about stress today and some of us are feeling very stressed and some of us are feeling not stressed, which I think is a real representation of, um, you know, how stress kind of works. It, it comes and goes, um, but it's certainly something that we all experience and certainly something that um, we all benefit from learning to manage better. So, we're going to be talking about stress from a real mindset perspective today, um, and we're also going to be pulling in some actions. And um, anyways, I will get ahead of myself. Let's just let's just go ahead and start. If there's any questions as we go through, do not hesitate to just throw them in the chat. Um, I'm loving interrupted. I'm always happy to answer those questions as we go. Otherwise, we will have time for for questions at the end if that's kind of more your style. That works too. And uh, there is going to be sort of two interactive parts to the presentation where I get you guys to put in some answers on a Mentimeter screen. So it's totally anonymous. I'll uh, just require you to pop in a code and go to a website and pop in an answer. But I'll explain more about that uh, when we get there. So without further ado, let's pull up these slides and we'll kick off. So just in case anyone here sort of isn't familiar with me, um, my name's Annika. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist and Basically, what that means is that I get to work with people in understanding the mental side of performance. And that might be in relation to achieving goals, uh, achieving a better quality of life, uh, performing better in sport or in work. Um, so it has lots of interesting different uh, uh, uses, I suppose. But it all comes down to this idea of if we can understand our own mind better and get it working with us instead of against us, um, it becomes an amazing resource instead of something that uh, throws blocks or obstacles up in our way. So I want to invite everyone to just think about whether or not they agree with this statement. So if I was to say to you, stress is bad for your health. Just have a think about whether or not that feels true to you. And you can um, answer in the chat if you like, or just think about that response. James says it depends. Yep. So just have a think. Depends on the level. Yep. <clears throat> okay. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a story about this woman right here. She's a stress researcher. Her name's Kelly McGonigal. And she is someone who has studied stress and <clears throat> the impact of stress in a longitudinal way, so over a long, long period of time. And over a longitudinal study of, I think, 20 to 30 years, there are some really interesting uh, data started coming out around stress. So the typical story that we have in our, in our culture, right, is that stress is bad for you. It causes, uh, puts you at higher risk for all sorts of different uh, lifelong chronic diseases, um, raises our, uh, our cholesterol, all that sort of stuff, right? Um, and so, but what she found really fascinating in this long-term research is that if you looked at the data, there was a group of people who had this experience. So in other words, they experienced really high stress throughout their lives. And yes, they, it, it, um, it correlated with them having higher risk of all sorts of diseases, such as cancer and diabetes and all those chronic ones, right? However, there was also another group of people in the data <clears throat> who also experienced high levels of stress, just as high as the people in the first group I mentioned, and yet did not have this uh, correlation with their health. 
So they didn't experience um, a higher risk of, of disease, right? They didn't, it didn't correlate with health risks. And so she was like, hmm, what is going on here, right? So she dug into this and tried to figure out what was the difference between these two groups. And, fast, and what's so fascinating is that when they got down into it, what they discovered was that the main difference between these two groups was how they thought about their experience of being stressed. So the first group that had all the correlations, the negative correlations with their health, saw stress as something that was dangerous. They saw stress as something that was bad for them. The second group that didn't have any negative correlations with their health saw stress as, um, as the, or sorry, the experience of stress as a sign that their body was helping them meet the challenges at hand. So they didn't see it as a threat. They just saw it as part of being challenged, part of, um, of you know, pushing themselves or part of life. And so it seems that the story that we tell ourselves about stress is incredibly important. And they were able to discover that even on a biological level, the group who had the, the bad story about stress, the stress is harmful, this is gonna hurt me. When they were stressed, their blood vessels constricted. And that was part of, they think that's part of what um, linked it to, um, to the negative uh, health correlations, right? The other group that didn't have the bad story about stress had the, yeah, this is okay. I'm, I'm rising to the challenge, you know, kind of a story. Their blood vessels stayed open when they were in a stressful state. So think about that. It's fascinating, right? That the story, the person, the interpretation that the person is having on the situation is actually physically impacting what their body's doing in terms of how their blood vessels are responding to the exact same levels of stress. Yeah, kind of like not letting stress stress you out. Totally, Henry. <laughs> so the question is, can we can we let can we figure out how to let stress not stress us out? And then can we take it one step further and even see if we can um, build in uh, a, an empowering or helpful story around stress? And yes, Rob, stress um, is absolutely a part of fight or flight. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that um, in just a moment. So the big takeaway here is that what the data and the research is showing us is that stress is only harmful to our health if we believe it is. And if anyone is interested, Kelly McGonigal has a great TED talk on this. It's called The Upside of Stress. Um, and I really recommend checking it out. And she kind of dives into this in more, in more detail. But really, I think the core message here is that our mindset, our beliefs, the stories that we're telling ourselves about ourselves, about stress, about what stress means to us, are incredibly important. We cannot protect ourselves from stress. Stress will happen. And in fact, I don't think we want to protect ourselves from stress because stress, when handled correctly, is uh, an essential part of growth and expansion and reaching our full potential. If we wanted to protect ourselves from stress, we'd you know, stay inside, <laughs> not do anything scary ever, um, and, and really kind of hide from life, I think. So if stress isn't inevitable, if something is maybe even we want, then we've got to work with the stories we tell ourselves. And I really believe that doing this um, is, is one of those actions that creates massive ripple effects throughout our lives. Think about it, right? Stress can color everything that we do. 
if we're stressed, it changes our perspective on almost every experience that we have. It impacts relationships. It impacts our, our long-term success, our short-term success, our moods, our emotions. It impacts everything. And so if we can get a handle on this story, if we can start to take more responsibility for the story we're telling ourselves about stress, this is huge. It has a huge, huge uh, impact. And yeah, Rob, it does come back to growth mindset in many ways. Um, you know, can we, how are we seeing a challenge? And growth mindset is such a fantastic framework for helping us to see the challenge in a way that supports us to grow through it. And we're going to talk about a version of that mindset here um, in just a moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So in terms of this, I love this quote from Brian Tracy, you always get out of life what you put in and you control what you put in. So our ability to manage stress is, is bound to this truth, right? Um, if we don't put in the work, if we don't decide to take more control of this, to change our stories, to, um, to work with ourselves, like do the inner work and, and also the outer work of managing stress, then probably nothing's going to change. It does require effort on our part um, and, and, a, and a commitment, right, um, to changing it. And, but I love, you know, when you hear this quote, you got a life, but you put in lots of different people have said that, but I like that Brian Tracy adds in, you know, and you control what you put in, because I think that's really, really true. And so, so much of this, of the scariness of stress is linked to a feeling of not having control, right? We do not like being out of control in our lives. And so um, it's very useful to remember that what we control is what we put into the experience. Um, and that in this case is how we choose to see it, how we choose to respond to it, and the story we choose to tell ourselves about what's happening. So the plan for today is to look at some tools and strategies for handling stress uh, from sort of three perspectives. So the first one from our mind, so actually getting into these stories and, and reworking with our thoughts and, and beliefs. Um, but that's not the whole picture, right? We can't just stop there. We also then need to turn that into actions and think about the habits and behaviors that we have around stress and what we can do with those. And lastly, we're going to talk about trust because trust is sort of a key psychological resource that really, really helps us ground ourselves in more, um, more of a growth mindset, more of a positive perspective, more of a hopeful um, optimistic view of ourselves and of the world. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like um, at the end. Okay, so I'm going to invite you guys to just share. You can share in the chat, write it down for yourself. Um, what is something, or there could be many things, right? <laughs> what is stressing you out right now? So just write it down in the chat, put it on a piece of paper in front of you. What are those things? Let's get them out and get them a little more tangible. Girlfriend gym opening, yeah, dealing with my dad passing. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Rob. Work and money, yeah, property sale, yeah, okay. Not all the time, but with three kids can be quite stressful at times. I'm sure they can, but finances, yeah. Okay, good. Workload, changing shifts last minute, partner finishing PhD soon, need to find a job, yeah. Yeah, lots of stuff here, right? Okay. And these are all like real challenges um, 
absolutely. And it makes sense that there is some feeling of, of stress around these things. Okay. So now that we've identified sort of what that thing is, that is uh, right now that we're going to kind of focus on are things that are causing us stress. I want you to ask yourself, and we're going to do this in the mentee. Um, I want you to ask yourself, what is the story behind your experience of this stress? So we'll dive into this a little bit more and I'll explain this as I'm uh, just going to put up the mentee here and, um, and let everybody find it. So to get on the mentee, I'm going to actually just copy this link and pop it in the chat and that should bring you right there. If for some reason that link doesn't work, then you just go to www.menti.com. You can join your phone, do it on another browser tab um, and then enter the code 29471115. Okay, so as everybody's finding their way there, um, yeah, and do let me know if there's any trouble getting into this. Um, okay, so what do I mean by the story behind your experience of stress? So um, let's say finances, right? That's a really common one. So, um, so the thing that's stressing us out is finances. So what's the story that you're telling that's happening behind that, uh, behind finances that is making that experience stressful? So it could be, um, uh, I don't have enough money or I'm never going to have enough money. Um, it could be, I'm not, uh, I don't feel talent or uh, confident enough or talented enough to make the type of money that I want to make. It could be, um, that my hard work never pays off. So I'm working really hard, but I'm not seeing the return in terms of money. So only you kind of know what that story is for you. And so I just invite you to just sit with that even just for a moment and just think about, you know, what is that? What is that story? Okay, perfect. So my children stress me out from time to time. Okay, so um, so what does that mean to you? So in other words, if your children are stressing you out, um, what is, um, like, why is, like, where is the stress coming from? So in other words, um, it could be that it, you feel overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. I don't have enough time. Um, to do all the things that my kids want to do with me. Um, they're, they're too, there's, there's too much energy. I can't keep up with them energy wise. See if you can dive into like, what is really happening there? Why, or what's the answer to the question? Why are your children stressing out? Why does that feel difficult? You know, um, we'll struggle throughout money and I'll have to try and pick up the slack. My business is still building. So I'm not making that much money yet. Yeah. Okay. So there's this sense of, you know, maybe I don't have the, the resources that I, um, but the resources aren't there for me. And that's, that's feel, makes things feel really uncertain. I'm in a job where the demand is ever growing, but staffing is at an all time low. Okay. So again, almost like there's an issue with resources here. So, um, I don't have the resources to meet the demands that I'm under at the moment. Uh, work-based stress is seen as a negative. I saw it as part of being out of control or unable to cope. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really common story. I'm, I'm not in control here. I can't manage this. I'm not good enough to manage this, um, dealing with multiple deadlines. Okay. And so again, with that one, ask yourself, why is that stressful to you? So is there a fear of failure there not meeting the deadline? Is there a feeling of not being good enough to meet those deadlines? Is there, um, a feeling of, 
again, sort of not having the resources that you need to meet those deadlines. So just think about, see if you can start to dig into these a bit. So the stories that we tell ourselves are all linked into our beliefs, right? And our beliefs and our stories, they're kind of like um, an onion. So when you, in that they have layers that peel back. So um, often we first start to try and figure out what the story is that we're telling ourselves. Um, we kind of get to the first layer of the onion. So, so I'm dealing with multiple deadlines or my children are stressing me out. It's kind of like the first layer of the onion. That's really good. But what we want to do is, is peel back that first layer and ask ourselves, what's underneath that? Why is that stressing me out? Why is the deadline feel stressful? Why do the children feel stressful? And then maybe even peel that back one more time and ask yourself, okay, what's under that next story? So for example, um, I was working with someone yesterday and um, she was having, um, feeling like she couldn't uh, take action towards her goals. She had this idea of what her goals were, but she was really struggling to take action towards them. And this was causing her a lot of stress. And it, when we dug into it, it turned out that the story she was telling herself was, um, uh, was, I don't, I, I'm not able to take on any more, uh, any more work or challenges right now, because if I do, I'm going to, um, put myself at risk because I don't have the time or, or energy. There isn't enough time or energy for me to do this. And so I'm going to be overwhelming myself, exhausting myself if I take on any new challenges or any new, um, projects. Okay. And so that story of, I can't take on any, uh, if I take on any more work or challenges right now, then I'm going to exhaust myself because I, there isn't enough time or energy was, was the source of her stress. And it was also blocking her from taking action. So let me know if this is making sense. Um, and yeah, exactly. Uh, limiting beliefs. Oh, not letting me in. Are you able to get in there, James? Okay. In the end. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, good. Um, yeah. So these stories, and um, that are so often at the heart of our stress are exactly that they're, they're limiting stories, limiting beliefs. They're holding us back and they're certainly causing a negative experience, um, and an overall an experience of a threat. Okay. So we're going to come back to this in a moment. Thanks everyone for, for sharing those and just consider is there another layer of the onion there for you to kind of peel back? And we can, and if at the end, if you want to, we can dig into those, into that a little bit more like individually, if that feels useful. Okay. So as was mentioned earlier, stress is absolutely part of our, our flight, um, flight or fight response. Okay. Flight, flight, fight, or freeze. They're not calling it. Um, and so essentially, stress is an experience of threat. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm sure everyone's heard this, but really, really quickly, it goes back to evolution. The, the early humans who were highly aware of the danger in their environment and uh, who were able to respond quickly and effectively to that danger or aware of the risks were obviously much more likely to survive. And so um, the experience, the physical experience we have of stress, which is things like accelerated heart rate, um, tightness in our chest, adrenaline, jitteriness, all of those um, symptoms are the result of our body preparing us to flee or to fight in order to save ourselves from some really tangible threat. 
So what's fascinating though, is that in our modern uh, day, the uh, modern day life, uh, we're not facing grizzly bears or saber-toothed tigers around each corner. Um, the, the, the types of uh, tangible stress that we experience is much less. We're much safer overall. You know, our lives are, are relatively incredibly safe compared to early humans. However, our brain still is still wired to respond with stress whenever it feels that it's in an experience of threat. So if we are telling ourselves a story that reinforces this feeling of threat, I'm, I'm going to fail. That's a threat. Um, I'm not going to be good enough. That's a threat. I'm not going to measure up to expectations. I'm not going to be successful. Um, I can't manage. I can't cope. All of those stories trigger the experience of, of threat in the exact same way that walking around a corner on a trail and discovering a giant grizzly bear <laughs> there staring at you would, would trigger an experience of threat. Yeah, so this is exactly linked to the chimp part of the brain. So the chimp brain is as kind of like a metaphor for the, the most ancient parts of our brain. Um, and uh, the, the stress response, the, the amygdala is a part of the brain that's a really big part of that. Um, is all, it's all the wiring for that stress response is in those old ancient parts of our brain. And so absolutely when we are in an experience of threat in our modern day life, even though those threats are not so much about our lives, but more about our, our ego and our self-image and our success and, and our goals and who we want to be, it still triggers that same experience of, of life or death uh, threat at some level of our brain, way back in that old chimp brain, right? But the thing is that... Um, these, this is being triggered by the story, right? So if we think about public speaking, for example, right? A lot of people have a deep fear of or experience really high stress around public speaking. And so, of course, there's no real tangible threat in public speaking. No one's going to die. You know, you're not going to be physically harmed. Um, and yet we experience, many of us experience all of the same symptoms as if we, you know, our body's preparing us to run away from that grizzly bear. So it's not the reality of the situation that is threatening. It's the story we're telling ourselves that makes it threatening. So the story might be, I can't do this. I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm going to fail. Um, I'm going to make a fool of myself and so on and so forth. And so when we can come back to the story and we can start to get good at really understanding what that story is we're telling ourselves then we start to be able to uh, take a step back from that immediate experience of threat and sort of create a little bit of space between the experience and us. So we can say, okay, I'm, I'm feeling threatened in this experience, but how can I respond differently or how can I change this narrative to help reduce my experience of stress? Okay, so hopefully this is all uh, making sense so far. Let me know if there's any, any more questions. So we come back to this, right? Um, that stress is only harmful to our health if we believe it is. And therefore the situations that are causing us stress are only stressful in a harmful way if we allow ourselves to believe that that is true. So I'm not saying that, um, that the stress is an illusion. The stress is real. Stress is an experience of growth. But that stress is only a bad thing. It's only a negative thing. It's only a harmful thing if we allow ourselves to believe 
that that is the case, or if we build a story around it that frames it in that way. So I love this quote by Michael Neal. We think we're experiencing reality, but what we're really experiencing is our thinking. We, sorry, we are living in the experience of our thoughts, not the experience of our circumstances. So this is really powerful when you think about it, right? So go back to the example of public speaking. The reality of, of that person's circumstances is that they're perfectly safe, well-fed, <laughs> you know, um, uh, indoors, probably warm, um, in a completely safe situation, probably about to share information with someone or some people about something that they're really passionate about, potentially, right? Um, and so if you were living in the experience of your circumstances in that moment, everything would be fine. But we're not, we're living the experience of our thinking. And so if that person's thinking is, I'm gonna fail, I'm gonna embarrass myself, this is gonna be a disaster, um, then that experience becomes threatening and it becomes terrible and, and, and hard to cope with. Um, about taking a step back from the situation and seeing the perspective of what you're telling yourself. Yeah, 100%. So can we start to hear the stories that we're telling ourselves? And so this is actually called metacognition. It's where we start to think about our thinking instead of just being enmeshed in our thoughts that we're able to just to just take a breath and step back and say, okay, what am I thinking right now? And what are the consequences of those thoughts? And what's fascinating to know is that part of our brain's job is to produce thinking in the same way that it is part of our heart's job to produce blood. Okay. Our brain is an organ. It produces thinking and it, um, because of the way we've evolved, it often produces thinking that is designed to try and protect us from these perceived threats. So the thinking of, I can't do it, I'm gonna fail, is um, designed to, to make us back away from that perceived threat of public speaking so that we don't do it and protect ourselves. But what's really important to recognize about that is that we often identify with our thoughts. We think we are our thoughts. We think our thoughts are true, are always true. But if we think about the brain producing thoughts in the same way as our heart producing blood, we don't identify with our blood. Our blood is part of us, but it doesn't represent us. Then we can see our thoughts in the same way. Our thoughts are part of us, but they're not who, who we are. They can be um, heard and dismissed. They don't always have to be taken as truth. So the question, is this true? in response to a difficult story. So say, say that thought pops into your head. I'm not good enough to meet this deadline. I'm going to fail. Is that true? Is a really interesting first response to that thought. And then to also ask ourselves, is that helpful? Is this a helpful way to be thinking about this situation? What other thoughts can we, can we go, can we go with here? Thoughts are like trains that come into the station of our mind, but we don't always have to get on that train and follow it to its destination. We can just let that thought train leave and wait for another one. So our thoughts are not always true. And as we recognize this and we start to recognize that we are being extremely influenced, our reality, our experience of reality is being influenced by our thinking, 
we start to be able to achieve this, this metacognition where we can think about our thoughts and choose to think differently or choose to even just let go of the thought that is causing us the stress or the, or the suffering. Would writing it down make it easier? Absolutely, yeah. And so often when we take the story out of our head and put it on paper, like we did with the mentee, it helps us <clears throat> to see, um, see the ir irrational element of it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and that is why journaling is so good, 100%. I am a huge, huge, huge fan of journaling um, because absolutely when we take our thoughts out on paper, even you know, sticking with the example that we just said, meeting the deadline, as soon as you write down um, and like, I've been in that situation where I've, I've had a deadline that I was worried I wasn't going to meet or didn't feel good enough to meet. Um, and that the fear of that feels very real when it's just bouncing around in your head. Once you write that down, um, I'm not good enough to meet this deadline. Um, I'm going to fail right away. You can go, well, hang on a sec. Like, hmm, that's not hundred percent true. And it allows us to create some distance. So yeah, I would definitely, definitely recommend that. <clears throat> So it comes down to this, how are we framing the difficult events of our lives? Because the difficult events will happen. And as I said, we actually want the difficult events. Difficult events are what grow us, expand us, teach us new skills, um, and help us really to get the most out of life. And so it all comes down to how we're framing them in terms of whether or not we have experience of threat and harm through these difficult events versus an experience of, okay, I can meet this challenge and being able to lean in and, and really kind of go for it. So growth mindset was mentioned earlier. We've talked about growth mindset in the past. And so we're going to take a slightly different spin on this today, which is to look at the challenge versus threat mindset. So the challenge mindset is where we choose to see difficult events as necessary opportunities to grow and develop. So we're choosing to say, this is something I need. This is something I need in my life. I need to be challenged. It's not always going to be fun, but I need them if, if I want to be growing and developing as a person. And so alongside that, we have to then choose to believe that we are capable of learning the necessary skills to manage these challenging situations. So if I'm feeling completely overwhelmed at work and I have too much on my plate, then I have to choose to believe that I'm capable of learning the time management skills, delegating skills, communication skills that are going to help me manage that. If I'm feeling completely overwhelmed um, and stressed out by my children, then I need to, to, to choose to believe that I'm capable of learning, again, the communication, parenting, um, self-care skills that are going to help me manage that situation. And the opposite of this is a threat mindset where we choose to see difficult events as opportunities to fail or we choose to see the fact that we're struggling, that we're stressed, that we're under pressure as a sign that we are a failure. And ultimately that comes down to the belief that we don't have any control, that we can't manage these challenges, that we don't, we're not able to influence the situation in any way. And we're therefore very much like a victim to the circumstances, right? If something bad is happening to me, then there's, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, it is. It's so interesting when you put it side by side, hey, James, like, and it really, um, it really kind of, yeah, just helps you see it in an interesting light. So these are two mindsets in the same way that growth and fixed mindset are two mindsets, which means they're two sets of beliefs 
that we either choose to buy into or we don't. And we have the choice. And I'm sure everyone here can see that there is a foundational truth to that challenge mindset and can also relate to the feeling of truth that sometimes um, the threat mindset holds. So what I mean by that is that sometimes we can, I'm sure we can all think of situations where we've held a threat mindset and it's felt really true. We've felt like the struggle meant we were a failure. We were, you know, felt that the difficult events were opportunities to fail, felt like we didn't have any control. But we can also see the truth in the challenge mindset. We can see that that is also true. And so we just have a choice here. And I believe that the challenge mindset is, is more true. And that in fact, the more you dig into the threat mindset, the more it kind of cracks and falls apart. And we start to see that it's actually not that true after all, because we, we always have control. We always have some control. We can't control everything. Um, but I really do fundamentally believe that we always have the ability to control what we put into the situation, that, um, that we're able, we're always capable of learning the necessary skills and that we need difficult events to grow. Okay. So let's come back to this idea of, of challenging our thinking, right? Because those beliefs and mindsets um, are what are sort of the foundational stories that then um, influence our thinking. So if I have a belief that failure is a bad thing that should be avoided at all times, then I'm going to, um, I'm going to have very stressful thinking about failure, right? So the, uh, that belief is going to kind of grow, I think, uh, types of thoughts like I can't fail, I can't afford to fail, I can't risk failure. If I'm failing, I'm not good enough. Um, and so, and that's, that's really stressful. But if I have a different belief around failure, if I believe that failure is a necessary part of success, then it doesn't necessarily make failure easier, but it is certainly going to produce different types of thinking around failure. So I might be more likely to think, okay, I can handle this. I can figure it out. I can ask for help. I'll get through this. Um, this is interesting. This is an opportunity to learn something. Those types of thoughts. Okay. So often what we hear first is the thinking and we have to kind of dig down from that thinking to help ourselves understand the belief. And so just a simple question of, of challenging our thoughts and asking ourselves, is this true? Especially when we're recognizing that we're thinking something that's causing us stress and distress is really important. So what we want to watch out for, okay, is absolutes and extremes in our thinking. So these are often signs that we are um, thinking something that's coming from a limiting belief. So for example, I can't fail. That's a very absolute extreme thought, right? That, um, that is basically like an ultimatum to ourselves. Um, failure is not an option. And if I fail, then, you know, X, Y, Z, you're done. You're a disaster. No one's going to love you. You know, horrible things are on the other side of that. So what we want to do is start to um, allow ourselves to have more open and sort of flexible perspectives around this thought. So asking ourselves lots of questions. So what does failure really mean? In my opinion, failure is something not working out the way that we expected it to or hoped it would. And that's less scary than uh, often the sort of the associations we have with failure. Okay, if failure is inevitable, like if I can't avoid failing at certain times, if failure is a natural part of success, then how can I manage it well? 
and thinking, okay, well, I'm going to dare to fail. I will risk failure. So it's going from an extreme, a black and white, there's only one reality, to starting to ask questions and get curious and, and challenge that and see that there's actually lots of different perspectives and different uh, possible outcomes. Another example of this is, I must be successful or I'll be worthless. So this is saying that my worth as a human is tied to our success. So if I'm not successful in whatever way we decided we need to be successful, then I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. And that, again, is very black and white and extremely unhelpful. Um, the Jocko Willing video I showed, you failed? Good. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen that one, but it sounds cool. Um, yeah, and, and there's um, somebody uh, called Vishen Lakiani, who's the uh, CEO and founder of Mind Valley, which is quite an interesting online uh, learning platform. And he always says we should all be failing as fast as possible because failure is, you know, ultimately the thing that, that grows us. So in this case, again, if we want to shift up our thinking here and be less black and white, we can say something like, actually, I believe I can be successful. So instead of saying I must be successful, that's absolute and extreme. We shift that and say, okay, well, I'm going to choose to believe that success is possible for me. So that's interesting. So then if I believe that, what skills can I learn to improve myself? How can I learn from my mistakes? How can I support my success? It just, again, it opens up. It's less black and white. There's less extreme pressure and it gives us more options and allows us to come up with more creative thinking to help us towards our goals. Daring to fail equals stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and stepping out of our comfort zone is probably one of the, it's one of the scariest things that we, that we can all do, especially when we're doing it on a regular basis. And, um, again, the story that we tell ourselves about that is so important because if we, if we have a, a negative, uh, threatening story about that, then it's going to be experience of extreme stress. If we have a empowering story about that, then we can manage that, the discomfort of that. Um, in a much uh, better way. So the other thing we want to watch out for in our thinking, this kind of, these are the interesting little tricks that our mind plays on us with our thinking is, um, oh yeah, uh, James, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll, um, I'll throw out some questions here in a moment on that. It's a great question. Okay, so just quickly on mind reading and fortune telling. Um, when we mind read, we assume that we know what someone else is thinking, right? So they seem annoyed at me today. I must have done something wrong. So this is something we fall into a lot. And it can be an interesting source of stress. We build a story around the situation based off of our incorrect assumption that we can actually read the other person's mind, that we know what they're thinking. And then that story becomes stressful. So we want to catch ourselves when we're doing this and recognize that actually we, it's very, very challenging to well, it's impossible to know obviously what's going on in someone's head. It's actually very even challenging to guess accurately what someone else is thinking. And so we want to just, again, come at this with questions like, is that true? What other clues can I pick up on? Are they really annoyed? Maybe they're just tired. Does it even matter? Does it matter how that person is uh, today in terms of of me? Does it relate to me in any way? Do I need to take this on in any way? Or can I just let them be how they are? <laughs> 
Um, all of these are really good questions there. And then fortune telling is where, again, we build a story around something based off of the incorrect assumption that we can predict the future. So I'm gonna fail at this just like I failed before and everything's gonna fall apart. That's a really stressful story, but we're, the basis of that story is that we can somehow predict the future, that we know we're gonna fail again just because we failed in the past. Again, that's not true. So we wanna challenge that again with something like, well, actually I don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, what's the most likely outcome if we really look at it subjectively? And then how can I work towards the outcome that I want? So we're shifting here from assuming we know the future to recognizing that we have no idea what's going to happen. And really what we can control, what we can put into the situation is, is our choices around how we continue to work towards what we want. So mind reading and fortune telling are very, very common patterns that our brain fall into that promotes stories of stress. Okay, so to come back to your question, James, um, there's actually just a short list of questions that I find really powerful and that, that work um, in almost all situations. So number one, I've said it a couple of times already is, is this true? And it sounds so simple, but it's actually, I really encourage all of you to, to try this out because as soon as you challenge a stressful story or a stressful thought with, is this true? Um, it immediately engages your own curiosity, which helps our brain actually think in a more um, sort of full picture way about the situation. And it helps us to see that, like, like I think 99.999% of the time, maybe even 100% of the time when I ask myself that question, I see almost immediately that, that it's not true or it's not 100% true. Maybe there's some truth in it, but it's not fully true. Um, so number one, is this true? Number two, is this helpful? And this one's really important because yeah, sometimes there is truth in our, in our stressful story, right? Um, for example, it can really feel true that we don't have enough time or energy to meet our goals. Um, and so if we're feeling like if we ask ourselves, okay, is this true? And, and this still feels like partially it is true. Then it's really useful to ask yourself, okay, is this helpful? Is this a helpful way to look at this? And in the case of the time or energy story, that's not helpful because if we choose to believe that there isn't enough time or energy, that becomes a subconscious excuse to not do anything or to not take on new challenges. Um, it's more helpful to choose to believe that there is enough time and energy, that it's really down to us to just make use of our, of, sorry, uh, to manage ourselves well within the time that we have um, and to get better at, at managing our energy within the time that we have. Choosing to believe that there is enough time and energy um, out there available to us totally changes uh, the playing field. It puts us in control of the situation. If we choose to believe there isn't enough time or energy, we're handing away our control to time. We're saying, I can't manage it, it's not my fault, there just isn't enough time. Um, so asking yourself, is this helpful? Um, or what is the most useful way to think about this situation is really, can be really, really powerful. Um, and then the third one, 
that I really like to ask myself um, and that I find works really well with clients is to ask yourself, how am I choosing to see this challenge? So how am I choosing to see this challenge? Um, and what that does is it helps us link back into our challenge mindset and remember that the, the challenge we have in front of us is something we get to choose um, the story that we build around it. We get to choose what it means to us. And um, it, so it reminds us of the, the choice factor. It reminds us to think about sort of reframe the challenge um, and again, helps us to, to think about more useful or more supportive stories. So I like to keep it simple. Um, yeah, time is the bit. And, and it's so funny because I actually really fundamentally realized that for myself only really a few years ago. And it was through a mentor really challenging me on it. Um, you know, my business was growing. I was feeling super stressed and, and anxious about managing that and, and not having enough time and all this stuff. And, and he <clears throat> pointed out to me that, yeah, that actually it wasn't true. The story I was telling myself, there was enough time or energy. Um, and I actually fundamentally believe that now. And it took a bit of practice to kind of rewire that story for myself. But it, it changes everything when you choose to believe that because it puts you in the driver's seat. If there's enough time, then it's down to you to figure out how to use your time or manage your energy um, better. <laughs> okay, so hopefully those questions are, are useful. So is it true? Is it helpful? Um, is there a better, is there a more useful way of thinking about this? And how am I choosing to see this challenge? And those really work, I think, in all situations. <clears throat> okay, so here we come back to, this is a re, again, a really simple, but really powerful exercise that helps us to really rebuild these stories. <clears throat> so number one, we have to be able to see, like we've said, we have to be able to see the story. It really helps to write it down or just be aware of it before we can change it. We cannot change something that we're not aware of, um, or it's very difficult to in any case, right? We might change it by accident, but we can't intentionally change something that we're not aware of. So first of all, we have to get curious and good at identifying these stories. And then we need to start to challenge them. We have to find evidence that disproves that limiting story. So, um, so let's take the time story, right? So limiting story belief, there's not enough time or energy. So how, how do we challenge that? So what's really interesting is to say, okay, well, actually, everyone has the same number of minutes, uh, has the same amount of time, right? Like everyone has the same minutes, hours uh, in a day. Um, and yet we all uh, accomplish very different things with that time. Some people accomplish a huge amount of things in that time. <clears throat> Other people don't accomplish as much. And so for me, that was a really big piece of evidence to really shift my thinking on and go, okay, well, <clears throat> to me, that really demonstrates that time isn't the influencing factor. You're the influencing factor. The human is the influencing factor. Um, and so that really helped me to challenge and shake up how true that initial limiting story felt. And so then once we start to recognize that, that, okay, maybe that's not as true as I thought it was, the final most important step is to rewrite that into a new empowering belief or story. So, um, so I'll share with you the client that I was working with yesterday. <clears throat> she decided to rewrite that into 
Um, if I take on more challenges, if I take on more meaningful challenges in my life, then I will have an opportunity to grow and succeed because I do have enough time, energy, and resources to support me. So that was her new rewrite of her old story, right? If I take on meaningful challenges, then I will have opportunities to grow and succeed because um, there is enough time, energy, and resources to support me. So I want to give everyone here a moment to think about how can you rewrite your story? And I will say that if you're not 100% sure about this in this moment, that's, that's totally fine, right? Sometimes it takes a bit of thinking and reflection, maybe some journaling to kind of really get to the heart of these stories. Um, so just take a stab at it. And it may not be uh, kind of may not be exactly right just yet. And that's okay. Um, but just take a little bit of a stab at it. I really like this if then because format for kind of writing out these stories, because it really helps us to see how the, the belief is linking in with our, with our actions, right? So in the example, with the, the client's example, the story she started with um, was, you know, I can't take on anything else because I'm going to overwhelm myself because there isn't enough time or energy. And so that belief, in, when you write it out that way, it really shows how it's creating action, right? It's holding her back from action, stopping her from doing anything. When we flip it into, if I take on meaningful challenges, then I'll have an opportunity to grow and succeed because time and energy is there, that links in clearly into taking action and feeling supported to do that. So I'm gonna invite everyone to come back to our mentee and just take a stab at rewriting that story. I'll just pull it up here. And yeah, just go for it. See what comes to mind. If you like the if then because format, go for it. If that doesn't sit with you, that's fine. But just take a stab at rewriting that limiting story into something that is going to empower you to see that situation differently. And again, it's about um, framing it in a way that it's no longer threatening or harmful but rather a necessary opportunity for growth. So I'll, um, I'll put that link in the chat again here, if that's helpful. Hmm. If I always see it as a negative, then we'll always seem negative. Brilliant. Yeah. And so I'll just encourage you to, <clears throat> to, to flip that too. And just think about how can I make that feel really empowering? So what's the, um, so it could be something like, um, therefore, uh, maybe just add something on therefore I'm going to choose to find the pot to look for the positive or look for the growth. So just add something in that really kind of sits in with the, the empowering kind of forward action that you want to be taking. Um, I'm not good enough to earn as much money as I would like. People I know are doing it, so why can't I? Okay, so this sounds like um, 
into the, the, the limiting story. Absolutely. Okay. So that's great that you're getting into the heart now of that limiting story. So for whoever wrote that up, I want you to take note of that story and let it kind of let your awareness grow around it. And then the next step is to think about how do I rewrite that so that it's more empowering, right? So right now it's, I'm not good enough. Um, and I can't, other people are doing it. So why can't I? So we need to think about the evidence to, to challenge that, right? We need to think about the fact that you need to think about things that you've, um, areas in your life where you have been successful. Think about your strengths. Think about the fact um, that being good enough actually has nothing to do with, it doesn't need to have anything to do with how much money you earn. So in other words, um, when we choose to take back control over what it means to be good enough and base that off things that are under our control, 100% under our control, <clears throat> that starts to take a more empowering uh, spin to the story. So um, choosing to say that I will always be good enough, regardless of how much money I earn is a really good start. Um, being good enough is about, you know, the choices I make as a human, how I treat the people that matter to me, um, the types of experiences I seek out, you know, really grounding it in things that you have control over. And then saying um, that choosing, I, so I choose to believe that, um, that it is possible to be successful financially in the way that I want to be. So I'm going to choose to believe that it's possible to be successful in the way, if I financially, in the way that I want to be. And based off that belief, I'm going to keep looking for opportunities and growth and um, uh, learning and ideas that are going to move me towards that. So hopefully that makes sense. It's just, just a suggestion of how we could start to rewrite and challenge that story. Um, it's a transitional period in which we will be more careful with money and hard work will eventually lead to a great job and will allow us to grow in many ways, be more comfortable. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Okay. So yeah, if we can get a couple more in there, go for it. We'll come back to this in a sec. Keep entering your, your stories here and, um, I'm going to, we'll come back to this in a moment. Sorry. My screen is playing tricks with me here. Here we go. And we'll just quickly talk about the final two pieces here um, before we wrap up. Um, so expectations are another interesting piece that we need to be aware of, right? So there's almost always a connection between unfulfilled ex expectations and negative emotion and stress. So if we're feeling um, stressed about, um, about work, then often it represents the fact that we have an expectation for how we should be performing at work that is somehow not being met. And so we often choose to see ourselves as the problem in this case. We say, okay, well, there's something wrong with me. I'm not meeting this expectation. So that means I'm not good enough. But often, in fact, always, it's not that it's not, we're not the problem. It's the expectation that's the problem. So if we're expecting to never make mistakes, if we're expecting to never fail, if we're expecting that we should um, always be on an upward trajectory, um, then really those expectations aren't helpful to us. So what's more helpful is instead of building expectations around perfection, expecting everything to always be perfect, expecting yourself to be perfect, 
instead to shape our expectations around the idea of excellence, striving for excellence. So the difference between perfection and excellence is that perfection assumes that we know everything, we're a finished product, we have all the knowledge and skills and talent that we need, um, and we just have to demonstrate that perfection to the world. Excellence is all about improvement. It's about saying, I'm never going to reach a point where I just magically know everything, where I'm magically good enough, where I magically um, have it all. Instead, I'm going to choose to strive for excellence, which means I'm going to strive to just keep getting better as I go, just keep improving um, every step of my life, every step of the way. So perfection isn't real. There is no end point where we have it all, where we have it all figured out, where we stop making mistakes or we don't fail. What's real is that we can always choose to strive for excellence. And when we build expectations around that, it allows us to expect that we're going to make mistakes, expect that there's going to be hard days, expect that sometimes we're even going to fail, expect that there's going to be challenges, but to see that as an integral part of the process to just constantly improving and learning and growing as a person. So we're going to wrap up in our last couple of minutes here by talking about behaviors and about trust. So our thoughts and our emotions are all linked into and, and always sort of driving our behaviors. And so our, um, our experience and our story that we're telling ourselves about stress often produces certain behaviors or certain habits that we engage with in response to stress. And what's fascinating is that often our stress habits are designed to temporarily relieve us of stress, but they don't do much to help us actually manage the stress in the long term. So I want everyone to think about, okay, if stress is the cue, experience of being stressed is the cue, what is your go-to response? So sometimes uh, we escape into our phones. Sometimes we escape into food that we like. Sometimes we, um, we go out and see friends or we try and distract ourselves. Um, sometimes we draw, withdraw inward and, and sort of cut ourselves off from the world for a bit. So what is your, think about what is your response uh, to stress? Yeah, totally, Rob. It's so, it's so common. Try to get out for a walk, yeah, sometimes with the food. Um, yeah, okay. So lots of different ones. So think everyone, what is your response? What's kind of your go-to response? And then we need to think about how are we being rewarded for that response? Because a habit only builds when we're rewarded for it, right? The behavior only repeats when our brain perceives a reward. So in most cases, um, the, uh, like if we go to the food or we go to the phone um, or we distract ourselves, then what's happening is we're rewarded because we get a, a short-term release from that stress. Procrastination is actually a really interesting example of a response to stress that gives us a short-term reward. So if we're stressed about something, we procrastinate, we push it away. And the reward is that we, in the short term, we don't have to think about it anymore. And we're in the, the stress is relieved. So what we want to start doing here is becoming more conscious of the way that we respond to stress. And it, we, it has to start with the story. We've got to start with reworking those stories. And as we start to rework those stories, it helps us to see that we can actually respond in lots of different ways. So um, 
we can start to trade out exact, for example, the response of procrastination with the response of like diving in right away and even just trying to get one or two things done on that challenging thing. Um, or we can choose to, as you said, James, you know, uh, go for a walk or move our body or um, engage with some activity that actually really helps us to process the stress, reframe the story and feel more grounded in ourselves. And so those types of new behaviors or habits are really positive because the reward we get from those, it's more of a long-term reward. There isn't as much instant gratification, but we get a longer-term reward of building a better relationship with our, with our stress, building a sense of empowerment around being able to manage that stress um, and, and reworking that experience of stress into an experience of rising to meet a challenge instead of being under threat or in harm's way. So I'd love to just challenge everyone to think about, you know, in the coming weeks, start to notice what your habitual response to stress is. What do you just feel like you wanna do automatically? And to just pause and just think, if I, if I can rework this story right now, how might I then behave differently in this moment? What could I do differently that will actually help me to move forward here, meet this challenge, um, or give myself permission to, uh, to let go of a negative story, you know, or, or anything like that. And as we build the new behaviors in response to stress, that helps us to reinforce the changes in thinking that we're working on. And it's really important that we, that we don't just think about changing our thinking, but that we also consider the implications of how that impacts our behavior and our actions, because we're not just a, a brain walking around, we're a whole body. And our behaviors and choices um, are, are always kind of integrating with our thinking. And we really have to think about this as, as a full picture process of brain and body. Yeah, smoking, I think, is a really big one. Um, we, our brain is very rewarded by short-term gratification, right? It's a really powerful reward. And so habits build quickly around those short-term gratifications. And so it requires a shift in thinking to really tie into and care about the longer-term reward to say it's more important to me to have this in the long-term than it is to have immediate relief in this moment. Yeah, 100%. Okay. So the final thing I want to talk about here, and apologies, guys, I know I'm a couple minutes over, so I'll just be two more minutes with this, and then we'll move into questions, um, is the concept of trust. So I want you to think about, um, imagine that you had a, a friend going through a really difficult time. Maybe that friend has just gone through um, a divorce and has to uh, move houses and find somewhere new to live. So that friend uh, likely is gonna be experiencing really high stress. And a lot of that stress is gonna be linked into the stories that they're telling themselves about, you know, am I gonna be able to find a new place? Am I gonna be okay? Am I going to you know, be happy again? Am I gonna be able to fall in love again? What does this mean for my life? Um, so a lot of really threatening stories and there could be stories there around not being good enough or feeling like a failure. So from your outside perspective, looking in on your friend situation, you know your friend. You believe in your friend's resources. And so to you, it is incredibly obvious that of course it will work out. You're able to look at that friend's situation and say with real trust and say, no, like it's going to be okay. This is going to be difficult, but 
you will find somewhere else to live. You will fall in love again. You, you know, you will be okay. Um, and, and everything's going to work out. So what's fascinating is that we're able to access that kind of trust in, um, in people when it's somebody outside of ourselves, but it can be very challenging to access that level of trust for ourselves. So, but it's really, really important because trust is a hugely valuable psychological resource because it allows us to reframe stories. Um, and it's a challenging one because it's, it requires us to believe in something that may not be super tangible. There may not be a ton of, you know, immediate evidence right in front of us um, to, to kind of trust in. And it's more about trusting in ourselves, choosing to trust in our own resilience and our ability to meet challenges. So it's kind of like this. If It's almost as if we need to remind ourselves um, that, that we can trust ourselves and that when we do trust ourselves, when we say, choose to say, I'm going to trust, I don't know how this situation is going to resolve, but I'm going to trust that I have the resources to meet it. I have the, I'm going to choose to trust that I will figure this out. Even if the solution or the answer is not currently available to me, I'm going to trust that I will figure this out. That's making a choice to believe in yourself, to believe in your own innate intelligence, wisdom, resilience, which are all things that we have and we can all choose to lean into. And what this does is it really supports us in changing our mindset. Because if we can really get to a place where we can say, okay, I don't know what the answer to this difficult situation is yet, but I'm gonna trust that I will figure this out. What that does is it allows us to step out of the fear and the panic and the threatening stories and start to now just actually get curious about how that's going to happen. So it's like you're choosing to assume that it, it will be okay. You're choosing to assume that it will work out. And that then psychologically releases you or lifts the burden of the fear and the uncertainty and allows you to get into the process of just experimenting and trying and, and seeing what works and, and, and seeing what's around the corner and enjoying the present moment a little bit more. So uh, this is uh, just an interesting thing to pull in at the end and just ask yourself, you know, do you trust yourself? What can you do to support yourself to choose to trust in yourself more in the face of these difficult and challenging situations? So to wrap up, it really comes down to these three pieces, our beliefs, what's the story we're telling yourself about stress? What are the actions we're choosing to take based off of those stories? And can we trust ourselves? Can we really lean into developing self-trust and see that as an integral resource to our success um, and our ability to, to manage stress? Um, Improving environment. Yeah. And that can be a huge factor as well, James. Absolutely. Like, um, you know, that is something that we actually have way more control over than we often realize like influencing our environment. And that's one of the things we can get curious about. If we give ourselves the psychological permission to just trust that it is going to be okay. And we are, we do have the capacity to deal with it. Then we can start to get into those details. So I'll just finish by sharing this quote one more time by Michael Neal to just really let that sink in. We think we're experiencing reality, but what we're really experiencing is our thinking. We're living the experience of our thoughts, not the experience of our circumstances. 
So really, I think if we summed up everything we talked about today, it's about recognizing the power of the story that we're telling ourselves and how that story is shaping our experience of reality and starting to, to take back control over those stories. Um, choose to write your own stories um, instead of allowing your chimp brain <laughs> to write them for you because it will. <laughs> It'll generate all sorts of stories for us um, and it will continue to do so, right? Unless we, uh, we choose to take back more control over it. Okay, so I'm going to just pull down these slides and um, thank you everyone for your attention, your participation over the last hour there. I'd love to hear if there's any questions or comments, anything at all that you guys want to share or ask or discuss. I'm just going back through my notes. I've written down absolutely loads. If you've got any questions, guys, my voice is gone. <clears throat> any questions, guys, or your biggest takeaways, post in the box below for me. I'm just going back through my notes. Um, so like when people are kind of telling themselves these stories, um and it's a repeating habit would you like say they're at work or whatever would you get them to literally just write it down in the moment or would it be something that you would like think about and then sort of come back to or like what, what would mm. you do like, in, in the moment sort of thing so i think um it can be really great to try and reflect on the stories outside of the situation if you can um, so, uh, if you're aware of something that's stressing you out, so instead of trying to catch it in the moment to, to maybe when you're at home after work to sit down and think, okay, like, what is the story here? And absolutely to capture that and write it down. However, uh, the more we start to think about our beliefs and the stories, the more we start to have a kind of in the moment awareness of those stories. Um, so if you start to kind of catch yourself and notice those stories in the moment, um, then yeah, if you're in a position to write it down, go for it, or if that feels useful. Um, but there's a, actually just the, just recognizing it in the moment, um, is incredibly useful because it means that you're achieving that kind of step back position, that metacognition where we're now thinking about our thinking instead of just being fully uh, lost in the, the moment to moment experience of our thinking. So, um, so yeah, so long answer to a short question. Um, yes, write it down if you can. Try to just make a mental note of it if, you, if you're in a position where you can't write it down. And that the most important step is then to, once we recognize the story, to see if we can rewrite it or challenge it in some way. Is that, does that make sense, James? Yeah? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Any other and questions? We'll start to Go ahead. Hmm. Rob, anything? Love to hear everyone's like biggest takeaway too. It's so interesting. Yeah, guys, if you put in the box, guys, Chris, Jamie, don't be hide behind your cameras. Henry, Henry's Henry, got no sometimes questions. Sometimes it's hard to sometimes hard to think questions when you're. Yeah, guys, your biggest takeaway. So for me, I think um, what you said at the said at the start about how we think stress is. So like whether we mm -hmm. think it's bad for us or not, that's like that was a big thing for me. Yeah. And so just thinking about the implications of that again, like um, trying to recognize how the, the story that we're telling ourselves is creating an illusion of threat um, and just getting curious about that and thinking about, um, you know, am I, am I choosing to see this stress as a harmful experience um, and can I shift towards seeing it as a challenge to, or even like my body equipping, equipping me 
to, to meet that challenge. And I really do recommend going and watching that TED talk um, by Kelly McGonigal because she's a great speaker and, and uh, she really kind of gets into that even in more detail in the research. Uh, it's interesting the similarity with other learning, yeah, also how we are happy to stress a muscle to achieve a goal, but fearful of stressing the brain and mind. Yeah, that's, I think that's a really interesting point, Rob, right? Like we see that stress as, as necessary and positive. And absolutely, like it's the same thing with our mind. If we don't, if we don't ever stress our minds, we don't build the same, you know, the same strength and resilience. So it's absolutely positive. Um, could you send a link for it? Yeah, absolutely, James. Um, if you literally Google Kelly McGonigal, the upside of stress, it's the first link that pops up. Um, but I'll just see if I can find it here. Of stress. Oh, TED Talk. Um, here we go. pull this up and just have a think anyone if there's any other questions you found it oh good okay here's another here's another link there if anyone okay I think my biggest takeaway is about taking myself out of a situation and reframing it yeah such an important mental skill um that serves us in all sorts of situations so can we create a bit of space between ourselves and situation? One visual that I really like is to imagine that when we don't have that space, we're kind of fused to the situation. So imagine like the, the situation as a bubble and then you as a bubble. And you know, when like bubbles get stuck together, <laughs> you're like stuck together to that bubble, right? And so you're stuck to it. So like whatever happens in the situation that shapes your experience. And so when we take, um, when we take a step back, we're, we're like, we're like um, separating ourselves or defusing ourselves. So now there's a situation bubble and the me bubble. And now we've got more control. Like the bubble can go this way, but we can choose to go this way. <laughs> and so we have more control then. And that space gives us the freedom to choose how you want to respond, how you want to understand what meaning you want to give to your experience. We almost need to become the narrator rather than the character. Love that. 100%. Yeah. We need to be the narrator. We need to be the person who's making the, you know, making the call, like choosing the direction, um, adding meaning to the experience of the character. Yeah, absolutely. Writing your own story. Yeah. Love that. Perfect. Thank you so much, Annika. Um, guys, can we all put a thank you in the chat box for Annika? taking time on a Saturday morning to come and join us. And also as well, for those of you that aren't on your phone, do a quick screenshot and put it up on your stories for me and tag at AMP. Oh, I'll put it in the thing. Yeah, I can't it's remember. A, it's a, yeah. It's a confusing one. Actually so guys, yeah, take, take a screenshot and please share it on your Instagrams for me. There we go. AMP underscore performance psych. Thank you guys. It's been super lovely chatting with you all. Thanks so much for all of your input and your contribution to the, to the presentation. It really, really adds a lot of value and it's great to hear you all thinking about this and um, yeah, like go forth and give it a try, you know, and uh, just see, see what happens. And one final thing I'll say is just have a thought as soon as this presentation ends, just have a thought about how am I going to remind myself to think about this stuff. How am I going to remind myself to implement this? Um, 
because we need those reminders. We need, we need help. We need to support ourselves to remember to do things differently. Otherwise those old habits can just kind of take control again. So whether it's like a notification in your calendar and if anyone else uses Google calendar, it's like their Bible for life. That's what I do. <laughs> Everything I do is in my Google calendar. So like throw a notification in there for Monday morning, like think about stress stories, you know, do some journaling, put something in place to remind you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Annika. And like I've taken away loads and hopefully everyone else has. Um, those listening back, guys, please make sure you share below in the box with all your questions, your lessons, wins and all of that from today's presentation. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. What I'll do is I'll drop you a message shortly and we'll look at booking in the, the next one in the next quarter, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, let's do perfect. it. Sounds good. No, amazing. Thank it. you so much, guys. So, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you again. And guys, have a good afternoon and good weekend. I'm going to drop this into the lab later on. So have a good day, guys, and we'll catch you all soon. Bye, everyone. Happy weekend. See you soon.